Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. So you want to be a rock and roll star? No? Well, how about a podcast star? Well, as it turns out, there's a new all-in-one platform just for you. It's called Anchor, and it's the easiest way to make a podcast. And check this out. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And then Anchor will distribute the podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify and Apple Podcast and, you know, everywhere else in, uh, in podcast land. And what's even better, you can actually make money from your podcast. Go figure. Uh, no minimum listenership on that. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So go ahead. Download the free Anchor app right now or go to anchor.fm to get started. So what are you waiting for? Podcast stardom is within your reach. The music world moves fast. Want to stay up to date on the latest albums and get in-depth examinations with the artists? Check out Consequence of Sound, the podcast. Bite-sized album reviews for the music fan on the go who wants to stay in the know and much more. Subscribe to the series on iTunes or your favorite podcast provider and let the writers of Consequence of Sound steer you right. Check it out at consequenceofsound.net slash podcast. Consequence Podcast Network. Hey, welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with an interview series presented by WFPK Independent Louisville at WFPK.org. Consequence of Sound and the Consequence Podcast Network. Uh, take a second before we get started to hit the subscribe button wherever you're listening from right now. Whether that's uh, the podcast version that you can get on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser, Acast, or maybe you're listening on YouTube or Spotify, you can also follow along there as well. I'm Kyle Meredith. It's a very special episode today. Three women artists who have recently put out fantastic albums. Talking about Brandi Carlisle, Courtney Barnett, and Erica Winterstrom. All have brand new records out that we're going to talk about. And first up, Miss Brandi Carlisle, who was just nominated for a ton of Grammys behind her latest album, By the Way, I Forgive You. She's going to tell me about radical acceptance and forgiveness. We'll get into her single, The Joke. 
And then we'll turn back the clocks about how she recently went back and revisited her album, The Story, had a lot of her friends covering her songs. What was it like having folks like Pearl Jam and Dolly Parton cover the songs that she wrote? It's Kyle Meredith with Brandy Carlisle. The compliments are first. It's a beautiful record. Thank you so much, man. And I think, you know, with songs, you sort of feel the emotion sometimes before you catch the lyrics. So right from the beginning, like, what an emotionally rich record. And then you hear the lyrics, and I think, oh, <laughs> it's a heavy record. Yeah, it is heavy. I, and even in the shades of light, it seems like they all sort of come from somewhere dark, too, uh, a, a lot of the time. Like, how emotional of a record was this for you making it versus now having to be out there performing it? It really caught me by surprise. It did when, when I was making the record because we were only keeping and only reacting to the really emotional stuff. And so something happened to me um, when I became a parent where I had kind of a, I developed a filter for writing and creating things, not just music, that were conscious in a way of me trying to look or appear cool or with it or hip or any one way. And um, I developed a much more philosophical ability to express myself. Because I just lost some, I lost something about around wanting to be seen as hip or smart or interesting or cool or or like a, a rock and roll type person, you know. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I feel like my daughter helped me um, accept myself in in ways that were bigger than I had before. It's amazing what kids will do. Yeah, right. For you, I mean, do you have you, them? I do. I have. One, I have one. I have a. He's ten year old, and that was you know like listening to to some of these songs. I thought. The one thing that there was lots of things that a kid will do to you once you have them, but it especially kind of takes you back to a time that you thought maybe you escaped and everything. Like I see him at school, and I think to back when I was at school, and I, and I got bullied and everything else, and and I worry about him and everything. And you're like when your first single, the joke comes out, and you hear that first verse, and you know, like I was scrawny, I was effeminate, you know, and and. and like having to deal with that. And yeah. I, I don't know, is that where that comes from? When, when you, th- like having a daughter now and you're looking and going, oh God, oh dude, I was there. The empathy is profound and it takes you by surprise. Yeah, because you did think that you escaped it. And like really maybe it only existed when it came back to you in your dreams every once in a while, you know, about being in school without your pants on or something like that. But then you're watching them do it and you're watching them go and, and, and experience being a, a, in a social setting and you're right back there. The, the memories come back, and the empathy is there, and the, I'm, I'm, you're nervous all the time. I'm worried all the time. It's, it, it can only be described to me as like this kind of profound realization that everybody is somebody's baby. And it changed everything for the kinds of material I can digest. Like, I can't watch violent things anymore. Things that used to be scary, like I'm just like, oh, that, that's not funny. <laughs> That stuff's not, I'm not watching that. No, don't go up those stairs. Everybody becomes somebody's baby. All of your old memories of being in school or the things that you went through as a kid come rushing back to you. And, you know, interestingly enough, I saw both my parents lost their mother this year. And that was really fascinating because seeing them over the years gripe and complain, you know, from time and time about their moms or the things that keep you from answering the phone, Mm -hmm. you know, All those things were just gone in a minute. They didn't matter anymore. They couldn't remember them. 
all they could remember were like unearthed funny stories and heroic moments and these amazing maternal things that they were never telling me that their moms used to do those things when I was growing up. And I was like, well, I can realize that stuff about my parents when they're gone and I'm filled with regret and judgment, or I can remember that stuff about them right now while they're still here. You mentioned a word a minute ago with acceptance. And I feel like the two big words that fall in this album And I think some of the themes you're talking about right there too, acceptance and forgiveness, Mm -hmm. but they don't mean the exactly the way we use them every day in this sense, right? Yeah. Acceptance isn't, um, to be confused with complacency and forgiveness isn't to be confused with a kind of modern suburban white Judeo Christian use of the term that we use, you know, hashtag blessed style. It's a radical and Stunning and difficult process. You know, what is radical acceptance? Radical acceptance is the ability to accept and love someone regardless of whether or not they'll meet your requirements. Yeah. And it's so much easier said than done. <laughs> you might be hearing me say that right now. Go, I do that all the time. I do that every day. <laughs> but I don't think we I don't think we do. And even me, even I'm talking about it and not doing it as as we speak. And with everything going on, I mean, it seems like there's sort of an avalanche for you because becoming a new parent is one thing. And then on the broader scope, the social humanitarian scope, there's so many movements out there now that are finally getting the conversations that they... And I, if for you to filter all of that into writing, was that a challenge? And, and was that all a part of it? Or was this really more of just a personal journey for you? No, I mean, I, I think that we're kind of like alluding to whether or not politics have made their way or the sort of social climate has made its, made its way into the lyrics. And for me, it absolutely has. Like, I always wanted to be one of those artists. I wanted to be like Dolly, you know, and like not be political. But I'm just not that girl because politics have been really personal for me. You know, in my family, I wouldn't be married right. if it weren't for my focus on American politics or the fact that that shifted in my lifetime. I wouldn't have my child. And so politics and elections and uh, social rhetoric, those kinds of things get real personal for me real fast. And um, they made their way in the same material that led me to talk about compassion and forgiveness and family. With all respect to Dolly. One of my favorite Bob Dylan quotes is, well, all songs are political. <laughs> they are. <laughs> Dylan would know. Dylan yeah. would know. Yeah. Joan Baez would know better. But. That's right. And <laughs> speaking of, this album also comes on the heels of you celebrating that 10th anniversary uh, of Landmark album with, with the story and everything. You've got Dolly covering you. You've got Pearl Jam covering you. Like, I, I sort of wondered that when you have to go back and open up the chest again and pull out the old clothes... And then you've got something to write. Like how much residue, how much of that dust residue ends up on these new songs? It's so funny how much I, like, I'm learning that we are who we are from, like, infancy. Because, like, when my daughter was born, this infant, you know, this personality, I didn't see it developing because it was my first kid. But now, now that she's almost four, it's like she has been that exact person from day one. And the songs that... I wrote when I was a teenager that made up the story and Brandy Carlisle, Brandy Carlisle are still haunting me, plaguing me to this day. I'm still doing all those things. I still have all those problems and all those issues and um, all those habits and the dust from those songs and those events in my life is all over everything now because really we don't change. It seems like we just collect realizations 
It's the same personality. You might have different opinions as you grow, but yeah, it's all yeah. Sort there's of there. tons of stuff I was wrong about. <laughs> but and then though to have those heroes turn around and do their own interpretations of these private moments of, of yours. I mean, you've covered songs, you know, your whole career too. But to have that flip back, and that's got to be just one of those. Wow you mean moments. hearing other people do them? Right. Oh man, it's insane. Yeah. It's really cool. I love it to hear men sing my, particularly my lyrics. I love that gender yeah. shift on those songs. I think it's really cool. But man, there have just been a few times I've I've heard some people sing some of our songs, and I've got such a kick out of it. And I get a kick out of it at whatever level. I get I get a kick out of going on YouTube and watching people that mm-hmm. cover them, mm-hmm. just fans and kids in school. And I get a kick out of those singing shows, people covering them on those singing shows, all that stuff. Well, it's interesting in that since then, because the very first song on this new record... Every time I hear that song. Every time I hear that song. You know, thinking of Dylan and his song most of the time, sort of in that same sense. Like, here you are talking about, you know, everything's great till I hear that song and I'm reminded. And, and, and of course, the sort of irony is you are the music maker and you're doing that to someone else. <laughs> you're writing the song that's causing the heartbreak to someone else. You yep. know, that's, yeah. That irony is not lost on me at all. <laughs> I, I all I can say is I get it. I really get it. You get it. Yeah. It's uh, the puppeteer up there. Uh, there the, kind of close with this too because there's one line on here that I center in on and I love. It might be my favorite line on the record. There will be color and language and nobody wanting to fight. What a glorious sight! Like that's that's sort of the end game right there, right? Yeah. Like yeah. That's the Every dream. Tier. Yeah. yeah. I thought if there's the most hopeful moment on this record. <laughs> Which is, again, a beautiful record, but if there's really hope, it's, it's all right there. Do you think we're close at all? Because we're in that moment. We're in the weeds. If we were ever close, it would be right now. Yeah. I mean, we've awoken in ways that I never imagined I'd see in my lifetime. Things are changing in my lifetime that have just blown me away. And, I mean, I've been marching, and I've been holding signs, and I, I've been doing you know, what I think is my part. And I'm seeing people out there doing 10 times more that were asleep before last November. And it's really, really heartening and really encouraging. And regardless of what we're reading every day or who's up in Washington, what's happened to us as a country is been really a great awakening. It's been, it's, it's exposed so much about us that we can fix and change. And we can't get better as, as a, as a people until the cracks are shown and the cracks have been shown and now it's just time to let the light through well i appreciate your fighting i appreciate your poetry thanks man and everything goes along with it thank you i kind of like your poetry too <laughs> i think you're quite a poet just the man asking the questions yeah really good ones though. all right thank you and a big thanks to brandy carlisle for that conversation right there re- recorded in her own recording studio up in uh, right outside seattle Moving to my second guest for this episode, Courtney Barnett. Her latest is called Tell Me How You Really Feel, one of the biggest albums of 2018. And the cool thing about this that we discuss is how she starts talking about bigger issues, world issues, whereas before she might have been known for those really minute moments in her own life. We'll also discuss taking time in between albums to play in Jen Clower's band. Jen Clower just happens to be Courtney Barnett's uh, wife, taking the spotlight sort of off Courtney for a little bit of time. And what are the chances of the two of them doing an album together in the future? She'll tell me about hopefulness. We'll talk about the breeders and her massive t-shirt collection. It's Kyle Meredith with Courtney Barnett. How are you? Tell me how you really feel. 
you became famous for sort of the personal observations about very specific moments in life, but is it fair to say that this record is, is something bigger? Maybe. I mean, it still feels like very um, observational kind of um, internal observations, maybe, a bit more, a bit more so than the journal and, um, you know, surroundings. I mean, I look at a, um, a song, well, like the first lead single with Nameless fa- Faceless. I mean, it's probably pretty obvious, you know, with all the conversations that are happening out there. Um, but was there one incident that that kind of spurred this one, that, that led you to that direction? No, that one, I think it's just, um, I think it's just an ongoing, just an ongoing incident and um, ongoing news and ongoing kind of death and, uh, you know, feeling unsafe. And I think it's just a conversation that I'm constantly having with friends and uh, you know, never quite understanding where the um, where the hatred and the violence comes from. I mean, you take something like that, and you know, with with everything that is happening, the incidents and and the conversations and the movements. I, I think I'd be surprised if you were an artist uh, or any artist who weren't figuring out how to filter this. That weren't being at least reflective. Uh, was it a challenge for you then, with all this going out, to figure out how to put that into some kind of lyrical poetry, you know, without um, being obvious about it, I guess. I think I struggle with that sometimes because it's it's hard to kind of not sound too, um, you know, didactic and preachy about things. And because, you know, I'm just a songwriter. I don't know anything, everything. All I can really express is my thoughts and feelings and, you know, reflections of, of the world around me. So, and then it's hard. I think that sometimes I, I try to kind of, um, you know, find find the positive in things and or sometimes kind of err on uh, sarcasm or kind of dark humor and sometimes that doesn't serve the topic because it might undermine it and it's it's a it's a strange balance you know i but i guess it's just a ongoing kind of learning curve but isn't it interesting then you know when you become a successful artist when you become, when you get a fan base that they do look to you for the answers in, in some way, you know, just because you have this pedestal, you know, uh, with a connection through music, uh, suddenly the eyes are looking towards you to say, okay, so what do we do? Yeah. Well, I don't, yeah, maybe, I don't know. A little, I think I'm so caught up in my own head, I don't, I don't realize that stuff sometimes. I think that's a nice uh, transition over the, to the... Um, well, it's sort of a transition over to the, the newest single, which I saw the video, which, of course, you know, sort of shoots you out to space. And uh, is, is, is the yeah. meta, should I be drawing the line for the metaphor, you know, as the spotlight gets on you, that this is um, some desire to escape a little bit? so funny that everyone finds the spotlight and the same angle, but it's, it's smaller than that, I think, or bigger than that even tricky because there's so many kind of angles in that song of friendships and relationship and and um you know connections with people and and um and with myself and I think it's more just that general frustration and sadness and and just wanting to um you know get away from everything if you take the take the angle of fame and whatever out of it it's more just the world (laughs) You'll probably have to excuse a lot of us for for looking at that because, you know, there was a little bit of a story with other interviews going into this about, you know, a bit of writer's block and, and, you know, facing, you know, the the mountain that was before you with the last record, you know, certainly accomplished. And 
then you know you're out there and you're. I know you're... we can't we can't help we can't help the the stories <laughs> <laughs> that come. <laughs> we love stories. <laughs> I, I am going to continue down that path just a little bit and everything because, you know, you, you have spent the last little while playing in Jen's band, uh, which her record, oh, yeah. you know, one of my favorites of last year, too. And that was sort of a way to, you know, I don't know if you meant it in this way of all, if it just happened like that, but it's sort of a way to kind of get out there and keep playing but not have to be the front person. Like, is that weight taken off of you like that? Yeah, well, I guess it's definitely a different, um, yeah, totally different energy, which is um, which is good and refreshing, I think. But, it, I mean, it wasn't so, yeah, not as, as selfish as that sounds. It was more just, um, I played in Jen's band around the same time I released my, oh, when was it? Maybe my first kind of, my second EP or, so I've been playing with her for a while and I think it's, um, yeah, just kind of finding, finding that balance of, you know, things really took off for me and I was away for a long time and she was, um, Jen was writing her album and so, yeah, it was more just kind of finding the, the, the time to, to make that happen because I love, I love playing in her band so much. But, yeah, I mean, it's definitely, I definitely don't have to sing or, <laughs> you know, lose my breath singing. <laughs> <laughs> Well, from a fan's point of view, you know, it, it looks so interesting. The two of you being such accomplished songwriters, uh, writing albums that uh, on some level feature messages about each each other. You know, and Jen talked a lot about that, what her record is about. You know, I had her mm. on the show and, and that was a big narrative point to hers. And I, I don't know if if any of this record, does does it have that? Does it kind of answer any of that from your side? It does in some ways. I think... Um yeah, I think that I was so um, I was so caught up in my own world while I was writing this that, I mean, yeah, there's definitely uh, bits that kind of I mean they're not like call yeah call and response but but um there's definitely stuff that references Jen but I mean it's not like negative or whatever but it's just um yeah I think it I mean she's you know the most important part of my life so there's everything kind of revolves around her in some way. But maybe not directly, you know. And it's it's strange. It's a strange process because Jen inspires me so much when I'm writing and really <laughs> picks me uh, picks me up off the ground when I'm when I'm really struggling. So you know, I think a lot of um, a lot of her gets ingrained in there, even if it's not kind of if it's not too obvious. After you had done a um, a record with Kurt Vile and she was open up, I mean, the obvious question became. Yeah, but women with two of you doing record together. <laughs> well, yeah, we've been like working on songs together, but um, I don't know. Down the road, we've got our whole lives to do that. <laughs> you know, at one part, you know, that she and I did talk about was everything that was going on with the uh, the Australian marriage thing, and I think they were taking the poll around that time. And you, you know, excuse me, I haven't caught a, uh, kept up, but what, what's been? Oh yeah, is there any news with that? Any positive movement? Yeah, so in November maybe, um, they the poll was counted or whatever and it was um and it was positive for like, I don't know, sixty five percent or something. But because it was just a poll and not a binding vote, it um you know, didn't really mean anything. But luckily the government decided to honor the people's choice and um they they passed the law in I don't know, December or January. It was a bit bittersweet because it was Obviously, a positive outcome, but um, gone about in a very ridiculous and um, right. offensive and expensive <laughs> way. So yeah, it was um, you know whatever. It's over now, but 
yeah, I'm I'm glad the outcome, but it was it was a pretty stupid process. Well, congratulations on the positive side of that outcome. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And, you know, I can go back and watch because somehow, you know, we keep having these parallels between the United States and Australia. uh, And and sometimes they're lined up in the same way about the big issues. And sometimes, like, you know, we talk about gun control a lot right now. And and it almost seems like Mm. every single time Australia is is sort of referenced in that. Like, you know, this is what it it could be or whatever. As an outsider, how how caught up in the American politics do you get as, as someone who lives, you know, very far away, but spends a lot of time here. Yeah, I, I definitely the last couple of years. I mean, I think you can't not be, um, you know, involved or like. I think it's really strange that when I see comments when you know when not non-Americans comment on, you know, things and people are like, well, you're not even from here, so you've got no right to talk about it. But but I think they do. Everyone does. I mean, because a lot of that stuff affects everyone, and it's, no one wants to see or feel or. Or just yeah, see that suffering. Yeah. So uh, yeah, like I remember friends, you know, when when everyone was um was was in an uproar about the you know your latest election, and and um they were like, well, what is it? It doesn't affect us. He's not our president, but it does affect everyone because <laughs> it you know he ruins people's lives. People with any sort of heart or emotion can feel that. So I think it affects everyone. Yeah, well, don't listen to those people who say you don't deserve an opinion because I assure you, they all have an opinion about anything that's happening within a square mile yeah. of whatever you're doing. They they have an opinion, and they'll yeah. they'll use it somewhere online. <laughs> <laughs> there's a, there's a word on this record. I think it's the uh, a title to the hopefulness, which you know yeah. I, I keep toying around and flipping around in my head because I think I only read a little bit on it where it's it's actually sort of in a negative light but there's a lot of positivity out of it that's that's what i'm getting and i don't know is that is that anywhere near right because that's what i'm hoping yeah. you know is the outcome of all of this <laughs> yeah i think um you know i think that word kind of made itself up you know kind of struggle of um yeah of of, of feeling hope, hopeless and but wanting to be hopeful and you know that that real like push and pull between the two like you know, I think the the natural kind of reaction of 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 hopelessness is just there and 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 quite easy to kind of give into. I think it's harder to it's harder in a way to be hopeful and to be positive and to to actually um, engage in in kind of positive um, I don't know anything just any kind of fight or change or it's a whole different kind of level of energy and the kind of fear the feel to just give in to how how terrible everything is is so much easier and then you can be like well i told you it was terrible so <laughs> here we are just living in this terrible world but i don't know i i, I have faith that there's, there's enough good people if all the good people did good things then they would uh overshadow the bad people maybe I believe you uh, because I also want to believe you <laughs> because I need to believe you. Exactly. You know, it's... it's exactly. I mean, I don't know if I 100% believe that, but I'm trying to believe that. I think that's the, the key. <laughs> yeah. Well, here's something positive, hugely positive. <laughs> on a very selfish note, I think, you have the breeders on your record, and that's got to be mind-blowingly very awesome positive, for you. Yeah. How'd that happen? Yeah, it's awesome. Well, I met him a couple of years ago. Um, we did a podcast together, and um, 
Talk House podcast, and we became friends and 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 stayed in touch. And when I was in Ohio once, I I called her up, and they were in the studio, and we went in, and they needed some vocals on a song, so we jumped in a room and sung. And and then I guess like a year later, I was in the studio making my album, and and um I think I was I was probably um corresponding with Kim, and and she said I owe you I owe you some vocals, so I sent yeah I sent the song over. And, Kim and Kelly sang some stuff on two songs. Teenage dreams really do come true. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I didn't think I discovered the breeders until like my early 20s. My friend Fee, she runs a, uh, she has a radio show in Melbourne. She loves them and she was always talking about them. And I think I kind of went home one day and, oh, I was probably like, oh, yeah, I, I love the breeders. Taking <laughs> <laughs> it. And then I went home and listened to them and was like, oh, yeah, I really do love the breeders. So, yeah, it's a bit of a, a late uh, discovery for me, but I think it came at, you know, I think music always comes to you when it's supposed to right. and you need it somehow. That's a perfect sentiment right there. I'll wrap up by asking you about your T-shirt collection because you have to, <laughs> how, how many band T-shirts do you have? Do you think that you have... You should ask Jan about my T-shirt collection. Oh, yeah? <laughs> what, what's she going to say? Um, there's too many. She thinks there's too many. Um, she's always trying to get me to... <laughs> yeah, I guess I have a lot. I can't I can't help it. I I guess I, I've always gone to so many shows and I buy the record and buy the T-shirt and sometimes I don't even want the T-shirt, but it's, it's like... I just like that support... You know, bands need the merch board so they can do their next thing. Well, I, I appreciate the bands but that you've turned me nice, on to. It's just nice. To, oh, good. With your T-shirt collection and uh, and with everything you're doing over at Milk, I think it's I think it's really amazing what you're doing out there, and the music and this record. I love this record so much. So um, thank you so oh, much. Oh, thanks so much. Yeah, it's thank you nice. for the uh, the conversation today. All right, take care. Bye. Bye. And thanks to Courtney Barnett's The album Tell Me How You Really Feel And now my third guest For this episode, Erica Winterstrom She has just recently Sort of became a solo artist Taking time away from the Heartless Bastards To kind of stretch out See what she can do on her own We'll talk about what that's been like What it's meant to her How some trips to faraway lands Helped to influence some of the writing on this record And the idea of that old twisted highway It's Kyle Meredith with Erica Winterstrom Hi, how are you? I'm all right. How are you? Oh, really good. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Fantastic. <laughs> That's what I like to hear. There it is. They just, they just escalated with each one. <laughs> well, cool. Well, I've loved everything I've heard so far. You've done this amazing record. It's so, well, I mean, it's exciting and it's beautiful and it's powerful all at once. I mean, it's, it's pretty incredible. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, I'm really proud of it. <laughs> so, and, and, and the story is, so you're, this is solo. This is your first solo record. I mean, does it feel completely different or, or you know, are some of the same motions still there for you? It definitely feels different. I think having a band is sort of in a, on a team in a way, you know, and I uh, sort of like, wow, I'm standing on my own two feet right now. <laughs> That's sort of a new process or new new thing for me so it's sort of exciting and you know at times when before before recently I've just kind of been like sort of bracing myself on I guess I was a little nervous honestly about the release even though I'm very proud of it so uh but more and more I'm just sort of uh getting used to it and I've got a team a band together and and yeah (laughs) 
Well, I guess we should start it back up a little bit because this does come sort of in the wake of the Heartless Bastards saying it's time for a hiatus. And, and I think you guys have pointed out that it's not a breakup, right? Yeah, it's just I think there was a point where we were touring so much and on the uh, partway through the last album, we all just kind of were like, we need to try some different things in our life. And, and so everybody's just been been doing different things. Uh Jesse uh, just released an album that he wrote, Jesse Ebal and the Tender Things, and Dave's been touring with a band, Cody Jenks, and yeah, we're all, I think it's just, change can be really good, you can kind of, when things aren't changing enough, it's easy to kind of go through the motions a little bit, and I think this has been really good for all of us, as far as the future of the band, I mean, there's definitely not been drama or a breakup, but it's sort of just a matter of in the future, us all being sort of on the same page at the same time with our schedules and, and lives. It's kind of interesting when we when I look back now, you know, at the history of rock and roll and, and how for a long time, for decades, you know, bands, it, you weren't allowed to do anything really outside of your band. I don't know why it was looked down upon, but people did. And that eventually caused bands to get in these horrible fights, and then they broke up. And then they were broke <laughs> up. And, and I noticed more and more that doesn't have to happen anymore. Like a lot of bands, when it's time to put it on put it on ice, it's, it's a pause. It's not a stop. They're like, okay, maybe we'll do this again one day, and maybe we won't. But it's not, you know, everybody can go do things. And it's it's such a different world. And Yeah, well, I think it's sort of the band us all looking out for ourselves sort of individually versus an idea or expectation outside of our unit you know so it's um i guess just making ourselves happy and just not worrying about the rest which i think is the way to be for every everybody and everything so there's a lot of travel involved in in i don't know the beginnings of this record i mean it looks like you went to the Amazon, you've been through the mountains. Like, <laughs> from what I gather, this is, you know, sort of one of those records that's not just, um, you know, a spiritual journey, but an actual physical journey too, right? Well, I tend to be very inspired when I'm in motion. I mean, even if it's just driving, that's why I'm kind of digging living a little outside of Austin because I have 30 minutes each day, like if I'm going to go into town and I tend to be very creative in those moments and uh, yeah, I I uh, went to the Amazon and and then after the band decided to go on hiatus, I um, I just thought I would sort of go and decompress after a tour. Um, I think on that tour there were like thirteen of us on a on a bus, <laughs> and having a little time alone was kind of much needed too. And I went down to Big Bend State Park and uh, or uh, I'm sorry, Big Bend National Park in uh, Texas and. Uh, yeah, I did a lot of hiking, and um, a lot of the album came to me uh, there. And on, and then throughout the following months, I, I walk a lot on Town Lake in Austin. It's really a river, but I guess it's dammed up, <laughs> so we call it Town Lake. And uh, I would go walking there, and I just, when I'm in motion in some sense, I, yeah, I'm very inspired. And you hear that all over the record. I mean, it, it does seem like, you know, maybe just by the time period that you're writing, it almost seems like a concept record in a way because the themes you're talking about, like I, I sort of wondered, like there's searching in a lot of these songs, uh, trying to grow, challenging yourself. Like, were you looking for something specifically? Were, were you hoping to find some version of yourself or, or arrive to something? Well, I think it's important. I mean, for myself, just to 
always continue to try to grow and then also find that balance, you know, of, of wanting to grow, but also not over, over pushing myself. I think that can be a, a fine line. I, I really wanted to focus on growing in, internally, though, like not, not so much about success or money, but just sort of a inner growth, because I think that's kind of what really leads to, to a, like peace of mind and, and uh, happiness, I think, is just kind of uh, wor- working inward. Now, I, I do want to back up a little bit and ask, though, because the Amazon is just not one of those places that most people say, you know where I'm going to go today? <laughs> like, what was that like? You know, I before Restless Ones, the last Restless Bastards album came out, I had sort of vowed to myself that I was going to go somewhere sort of absent of sort of mainstream white culture, whether it be Europe or the U.S. And I had uh, originally even, I thought of... Uh, Asia, um, but I had a small window of time, and and you know I wasn't. Pro- I felt like I was in a place in my life where I was being a bit hard on myself, and uh, I something inspired me to go uh, try ayahuasca, <laughs> and uh, I just kind of I I booked it last minute or sort of last minute for international travel. I think maybe about a month ahead of time and. Just something within me compelled me to go down there at that time, and and I think that really sort of opened my mind to look at things in a in a different way. I think I think it's real important to sort of experience different cultures to sort of uh, just have a different perspective. I remember being on the Amazon River and we stopped, like we would stop and run errands in this boat, <laughs> and uh, we stopped by this little dock. And people caught fish at the dock, and then it was kind of like a little market. And you just you pull up in the boat, and you ask for your bag of fresh caught fish, and and get it. But um, you know, I could see that the the community was re- really poor, but they just seemed to have a sense of they all seemed really happy. I think it's uh, I, I thought you know it's really really about it's. I mean, I guess it's not really about money. but it was just really nice to nice to see well turning into the the album itself here again you get to those first two records the first two tracks my my first observation uh what i noticed was these guitars are huge it's like a wall of sound they're so powerful (laughs) (laughs) and and you've always you know you've always been rock and roll uh i mean you've got songs that sing about rock and roll you know but i don't know there's something it feels like even extra huge that's going on here am i off by this is that you know noticeable to you too i wasn't sort of when it when i was working on this album it was not thinking about any it at in a band perspective like this person's gonna play this instrument and that it was kind of like just just sometimes creating layers i, I was just thinking about the song and not worrying if there's like some extra things that might not be played live. I think it's just the kind of its own piece of art. It, I wasn't thinking specifically about live, you know, I just yeah. kind of was kind of being in the moment with it and just sort of doing everything that the, the song called for. I mean, and, and I like that you let the songs breathe because there are what at least a couple tracks where they're like ten minutes, right? Yeah, I guess I, I felt that there really weren't any any limitations. It's kind of just make whatever I want to do. And there's a song, yeah, uh, "Good to Be Alone," and 
that song, that was a really special moment. I think that song is sort of a reminder to sort of be in the moment. Mm -hmm. And um, we recorded that live because the concept of the song also has some moments where the tempos change kind of drastically. And that's, it's kind of difficult to sort of, you know, make fixes later with that. You just kind of had to have the take from beginning to end. And, um, uh, yeah, we did that whole thing live and it was the, the idea, everything wasn't totally set. So we were all very much in the moment and, um, we got it on the third take. Yeah. Yeah. It was, that was a very, very special moment in the studio. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun to listen to too, and and I'll say speaking of those Thank special you. special moments, uh, of course, I got to see you do a little private show in Wisconsin at the Refuge. And, oh uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, did that place play? Because you you stayed there for what's I don't know. Did you stay there for some of the recording or writing or what was it? Actually, uh, I visited the Refuge for the first time af- after the album was finished. Oh, okay. But um, right. but I, I I think there's going to be a bit of an, the next album. It's definitely <laughs> been written at the Refuge. It's <laughs> such a, a cool special place. It really is. I uh, it's just such a beautiful thing that they're doing there. And yeah, I'm real thankful to have that spot to sort of decompress and uh, be creative. And it's it's so peaceful there too. Yeah, it's a it's a wonderful thing. Well, thank you so much. It's a beautiful record. It's it's so great to see you doing what you're doing with uh, with Sweet Unknown here. Thank you. I uh, it yeah, it's nice to talk with you. Thank thank you for the interview. Yeah, and I'm sure I will see you around. Yeah, ha- have a good day. All right, you too. Bye. Thanks. Bye bye. And thank you to Erica Winterstrom. The solo record is called Sweet Unknown. And again, thanks to my other guests as well, Courtney Barnett and Brandy Carlisle. And to you, especially if you hit the subscribe button wherever you're listening from right now. Uh, Again, you can check us out on YouTube and subscribe there on Spotify and follow along there. Or you can uh, subscribe to the podcast version, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Podchaser, Acast, wherever you get your podcasts from. After that, please do head over to WFPK.org. That's where I do a show every Monday through Thursday from noon to 3 Eastern. Lots of music, lots of interviews. You can also find some bonus episodes of this series over there. You can find me at Twitter, at Kyle Meredith, Facebook, slash Kyle Meredith. That does it for another round. I'm Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time. Consequence Podcast Network. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.